Welcome once again to more football. I'm Adnan Burke alongside the stars of the show, Vach Lombardi and Richard Johnson. There's lots of great topics to discuss. Don't worry, we're going to get to the Jets and what was going on there, plus the race for the final wildcard spot in the NFC and the Bucks and Pats. That's right, we'll do a temperature check on Belichick and Brady, those topics among others. But it's, it's very rare when you have analysts whose personalities are matched by their wardrobe. Very colorful analysts here in Richard Johnson, Vach Lombardi. Vach, is Christmas coming early with that Christmas sweater? I mean, you know, I just felt, you know, kind of festive this morning. I just kind of wanted to get everybody in the mood. So turn on Temptation Silent Night and, uh, you know, you know, get around the fireplace, drink some, drink some hot chocolate or something, and uh, let's talk some ball today. Yeah, we'll pour out the eggnog and talk about the Temptations a little bit later on. But, Richard, let's start with you, a guy you're right now living in New York. So I know you get to watch a lot of Giants and Jets coverage. You're reading the back pages of the New York Post. You're diving into what everyone around you is saying. And this New York Jets game, I mean, you it's not often such folly is greeted with such amusement from so many. But the way that game was lost against the Raiders on a last-second Hail Mary by David Carr, the fact that Greg Williams, the defensive coordinator, yes, that Greg Williams – Bounty Gate and all the rest of it calls a cover zero, all out blitz, and the Raiders beat them. Greg Williams loses his job the next day. Gase and the Jets remain winless. I mean, there's lots of angles to this. First off, let's 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 just knock out the stupid theory, which is that the conspiracy theory the Jets were trying to lose. That was not happening. These guys have pride. They're trying to win games. It was not a conspiracy theory. It was just a bad call from Greg Williams, right? Yeah, uh, it's it's rarely ever malice in the NFL. It's usually incompetence. And, buddy, let me tell you, the Jets are incompetent. Let me set the scene for the viewers. It's my living room Sunday afternoon, about 3.30 Eastern time. I've got my beloved Jacksonville Jaguars on the main screen because I am a New Yorker. I also get the Jets as the local uh, team, Jets and Giants. So I've got the Jets on the side screen. I do this every week, right? I, I glance over, make sure the Jets are losing, make sure the Jets are losing. Maybe one week, magically, they'd run into a win, and I would have the benefit of being able to see it live and be able to put Trevor Lawrence in the teal and black in my head. So the game starts going, and there comes a point in every Jets game, trust me, I know, where it becomes clear that the Jets are going to lose. This did not happen, obviously, until the very end. You know, you start to see the Raiders matriculate the ball down the field on the second-to-last drive, and I think, oh, boy, here it is. But, of course, the Jets are able to hold, and, you know, you feel okay about it. The Jets give the Raiders the ball back with not too much time left, and, oh, my gosh, Adnan Bach, to watch it happen in real time, <laughs> not only to just watch the cover zero thing happen, but also watch the Jaguars down eight, drive the ball down the field and tie that game and send it to overtime. There was a sliver of time where I thought the Jags were going to win and the Jets might win at the same time, completely invalidating the fact that the Jets did what I have found to be nigh impossible this season and actually win a football game. We were in peril for a little bit, but uh, history did sort of right itself, and uh, the teams did what they have always done this season, which is lose. It's just all business with you, Rich. It's always got something to do with a draft pick. You never just want to see good football. Always got to come down to benefiting. Uh, absolutely your not. No, sir. Once, once we got north of about week four, I realized good football was not in the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, uh, you know, future this season. So, hey, give me Justin, maybe Zach. Uh, I don't know if Trevor's going to happen, Vodge. 
Fair enough, man. Your Jags are bad. My Cowboys are bad, but the Jets are horrid. The Jets make me sick. They make you sneeze. I just can't stand watching them. <laughs> and look, they gave us hope, right? They gave us a little bit of hope, but you know, they just, they just couldn't pull it all. So look, this is my theory, right? That if you're a pro, you're a pro level coach, but you're bad in the pros. In my mind, you're a good coach. You're just bad amongst your peers. But I know middle school coaches that wouldn't call what Greg Williams called at the end of the game, right? Just an all out blitz, three men in coverage in a Hail Mary situation. Like, 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 what did you think was going to happen there? And, you know, Adnan, you said earlier that there was no conspiracy. There was no Illuminati theory. I love the 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 possible thought of Marcellus Wallace walking in with a big bag of money saying, <laughs> your ass go down the fourth. I love that notion just so we could try to get that draft pick. But there were some rumors going around, just some words saying that Gates had no idea that they were even going to run cover four. He was just unfocused on what was going on. The head coach was unfocused. He just was not paying attention. Now, if you're the head coach you have the power to veto like if it's at the end of the game and this cover zero if you were a good head coach you say yo fam we cannot do that we gotta do something else put me in prevent and the jets might win a game if gates was competent enough but they're not competent enough i just find it interesting that greg williams is bad and he gets fired immediately but gates has been bad forever and he gets to hang on for a couple more weeks it's weird yeah, maybe the thought there is Gates is doing what we want him to do, which is lose games. But I hear you. Greg Williams is losing games, too. I mean, Rich, to go back to Vach's point, I mean, just what is that about? Like, if you're Greg Williams, a defensive coordinator, is that just ego? Like, I'm going to end this game on a sack. I'm going to take this quarterback down. I'm gonna, we're going to drive Carr in the ground and just put an exclamation point. Like, it, it is honestly an indefensible position to call an all-out blitz in that situation. This is Greg Williams' DNA, right? Greg Williams is going to bring pressure in all of these types of situations. He's an aggressive defensive coordinator. Remember, on multiple defensive plays before that, they ran this scheme. They were already running cover zero in these late-game situations. Uh, it actually resulted in a holding penalty on the drive before, I believe. Now, the play in question, the, the, the play that ended the game that everybody's been talking about, there's actually a linebacker who people are saying was a QB spy. He's not a QB spy. He's actually responsible for the running back. But Derek Carr, a competent quarterback in the NFL, Derek Carr realized what was happening and said, whoa, Jets are bringing the house. I'm going to keep my protection in because I know I've got one-on-one -on -one outside. What he did was he kept the running back in the protection. And when that happens, that linebacker is supposed to add on to the blitz. And if you sort of watch it the right way, if he did add on to the blitz, Derek Carr might not have been able to step up the way he did and fire that ball the way he did to end the game and end my hopes of Trevor Lawrence and Jacksonville because the rest of that Jets schedule ain't winning a game. This was our chance. Rich, well, but look, whether it was a quarterback spy or not, that's the worst defense you could ever call in a hell sure, yes, situation. Yeah, I, so, so let's just not say, oh, if the man would have blitzed, it was a good idea. It was a bad idea regardless. I can't come up with a good reason why you would call it, but at the end of 300, Leonidas looked Xerxes right in the face and he shot a shot. Maybe that's what Greg Williams was doing, but it just didn't work out, just like it didn't work for Leonidas in his 300. Well, great reference to Marcellus Wallace, and now Greg Williams has plenty of time to get someone to give his wife a foot massage. So let's move on <laughs> and talk about some teams and whether or not they can do it again. How about the Lions? The Detroit Lions, they finally showed some offensive spark with Matthew Stafford. They scored 31-plus points for the first time. The Lions ain't going anywhere, I don't think, Vach. And listen, it's just one of those performances that you say, I can see how they'll be positive, and maybe getting rid of Matt Patricia and also their GM will mean some better things, but... I'm skeptical they can do it again, but it was a nice win for Detroit. 
I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, winning makes things look a little better. And if I can give the Lions some benefit of the doubt, they do have a quarterback that I feel sort of good about. I mean, Matt Stafford hasn't done anything in the league, but I mean, he's been surrounded by nothing. I mean, you finally give him a coach that can get him to the playoffs and you fire him. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm willing to say that they can do it again because a quarterback is the most important position. And if you're good there, you could be good for the most part. So can he carry his guys to another uh, win? Adrian Peterson is 50 years old at running back, which is which is a, a nod to modern medicine. So let's just salute him doing good things over there. I, I, I think if they can just keep, you know, just doing what they're doing, just not doing too much, they can pull it off. But I don't think that they're a good team by any stretch of the imagination. But sometimes less is more. And just by losing Matt Patricia, you could be a little bit. Yeah, you know, you run into wins in the NFL and a divisional game in the cold with a quarterback who's really good, who's going to absolutely cut it loose. I mean, you guys saw the deep touchdown that he had in that game. I mean, Matt Stafford just absolutely sometimes just cuts it loose. And you remember, oh, yeah, he still he still has the, the possibility to be that guy. He's still got a few years left if the Lions really want to try to tear this down and rebuild around him. Now, it's going to take a little bit because of the cap situation that the Lions have, but Matt Stafford is still a dude in this league. Yeah, Bevel's debut, a victorious one. Next up is the Giants, Rich. Again, we'll keep the New York theme going with you. Listen, their defense has certainly improved. They've had two sacks in every game this season. Uh, offensively, Daniel Jones goes down. Colt McCoy is able to come in and do enough to pick up the victory. Joe Judge is trying to imprint himself on this team. No-nonsense guy, you know, Patriot way, et cetera. Five and seven is not pretty, but there was two close losses earlier in the year, and right now they're on a winning streak. Again, I'm not going to say they're fearsome, but in the NFC East right now, they may be doing enough to actually win that division. Yeah, I, again, this is what we talk about. I mean, this is professional football. They're professionals, and over the course of the season, we sort of have to normalize like evolving our opinions on teams, right? What a team does in the first quarter of the season is not necessarily what they do in the second and third quarters of the season. Obviously, the Giants are improving. Now, not there yet, but like you said, and then they don't have to be there, air quotes. They don't have to be a team that's in that's trying to win 10 or 11 games because of that division. You cannot sit here and say that that defense is not playing very, very well. Patrick Graham has those guys absolutely in the right uh you know in in the right mood right now playing really good football i'm impressed with the giants i'm impressed with how the giants improved i'm impressed with how they're doing this without daniel jones i mean colt mccoy who's been in the league it seems like a decade uh if not more uh is a guy who can come in and i guess play winning football now who knows if the giants can continue to do this but you start to sort of think how many wins do the Giants really need with floundering Eagles, Washington, who you don't think is going to be able to keep consistency with an offense that is not exactly going to score the lights out? How many wins do we think it's going to take the Giants to keep this division and get into the playoffs and, my God, host a home playoff game at Giants Stadium? Well, it won't take many, but uh, hey, man, shouts out to them for kind of getting it done. I mean, you said that they're doing it without Daniel Jones. I mean, Saquon Barkley's been on the sideline all all season, so whenever he gets back, you know, just what you know, what what can they make out of when they get their star running back back? Now, later on, we're gonna have a conversation about running backs and how truly important are they? Because Wayne Gallman, yes, Wayne Gallman is not Saquon Barkley, but Wayne Gallman has been serviceable, and if he's on your fantasy team and you're in the playoffs this week, he's he's doing some pretty good 
things for you. He's on three of mine. So I'm, you know, just letting you know there. Uh, but you know, the the Giants are playing really, really good defense. They're playing really sound football. And they're just not, they're just not, they're just not messing it up. They're just not giving it away. You know, now it's gonna get a little rough for them in the in the later part of the season. They're probably gonna beat my Cowboys. That's fine. Uh, so will they be able to turn this into a playoff thing? I don't think so. I think the Washington football wizards can get six wins and win this this terrible division. Uh, but the Giants moving forward, like the 2022 Giants, they kind of made me nervous a little bit. Well, you mentioned the Washington football team, the Wizards, as you affectionately call them, Botch. Alex Smith now 3-1 and one as a starter. And as we've said all along, the strength of this team is their defensive line. The fact with Chase Young and others, they can put pressure on quarterbacks. It was the return of Riverboat Ron. I mean, Ron Rivera gambling again. Love seeing him roll the dice, putting pressure on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Wouldn't have thought Washington was the team to finally give the Steelers their first blemish of the year. But here it is. Washington now also 5-7 and seven with the Giants. Can Washington do it again, Botch? Well, the Washington team, they they win ball games like the, you know, typical fans say you win ball games, like that old fan say, oh, you win in the trenches, you win with O-line and D-line. Well, the Washington football team has lost so many years in a row, and it just seems like every single year, oh, let's bring in Jonathan Allen, let's draft him. Oh, the next year, okay, cool, Deron Payne. Hey, let's just stumble into Chase Young. And before you know it, you have one of the better D-lines in the league. You keep building your O-line. You have one of the better O-lines in the league to where you can run out Alex Smith, Antonio Gibson got hurt very early so they had to run with Peyton Barb and JD McKissick so you know if it doesn't matter who your running backs are if your old if your old line is is good to go you can run the football you can make some throws Alex Smith is competent enough to get some throws to you comeback player of the year maybe let's just give him his his flowers while he's you know while he's going um and that that defense is what's going to keep them floating. Don't let these football fans, don't let these pundits tell you that it's an offense-only league. It may be an offensive league, but it's not offensive-only because the teams that are in the playoffs that may not have good offense, if they have a really good defense, then they can win just by, you know, being good on defense, you know? So the Washington football Wizards are probably going to be the playoff team. What's interesting is what are their week one playoff game is going to be like? If it's a bad matchup in a way that, hey, we're good enough on defense to shut down whoever it is that we're playing and we can get enough points and we can run the ball and we can make it a dirty game, the Washington football team might even win a playoff game, as weird as that sounds. Vach predicting Washington winning a play. Vach predicting any NFC East team winning a playoff game. First of all, that's personal growth because he's not talking about his Cowboys. The Cowboys aren't going to make playoffs. But also, I mean, it, you know, it, we we keep we've kept saying this all episode. This is professional football, right? These guys are paid money to play football, and the the sort of the spread between the worst team in the well, not the absolute worst team, but uh, not so great teams in the NFL and good teams in the NFL, I should say, is tighter than you'd expect. There is a mushy middle in this league, uh, and the way the playoffs are structured, the mushy the mushy middle. If you're in the right division, can get you in the playoffs. Can get you to host to host a playoff game. That's another conversation for another day and how this league structures its postseason. Yeah, that's absurdity on many levels. But yes, that's just the way the rules are. So to hold no grudges against Washington, the Giants, one of them will be that division champion. Let's move on and talk with the Cleveland Browns, fellas. And last week, I promised to bury Baker Mayfield, and instead, he buried me. Okay, He's the undertaker to me because Baker Mayfield goes out and throws up four touchdowns in that first half and great chemistry all the way around. Maybe it was inevitable. You know, there's only so many games you can win with your defense and with your running game. But Mayfield, the last couple of games now, Rich, 592 yards passing, six touchdowns and zero interceptions. Kevin Stefanski might be my pick for coach of the year. He's in there with Mike Tomlin as well with the Steelers. But just how about the play of Baker Mayfield specifically? He did have a big time game as the Browns right now look like they're definitely going to the playoffs. 
Yeah, the Rams, I mean, they were playing on tilt. They had a perfect, a perfect game plan, and they executed the game plan perfectly. The last couple of weeks, we've been saying it. The Browns are doing the things to sort of keep the training wheels on Baker Mayfield. That's fine because it seems like Baker Mayfield is ripping it at 100 miles an hour on those training wheels, right? He's playing really well. Now, they needed every single point on Sunday because, remember, the way that NFL games rubber band, the tight, I'm not going to say the Titans were in that game coming home, but the Titans threatened that. And if, for instance, the Browns had messed up one of their drives and not scored as many points as they had, we would have had a situation later in that game where the Titans were, you know, sneaking around the chicken coop, maybe had a chance to win that comeback, have a same old Brown situation. But no, a little bit of a different Browns. They're going to get Miles Garrett back. They're going to start to play better football coming home. Now, and we'll get to this later in this episode, the litmus test is against some of the big boys. We've seen the Browns beat the teams that are sort of in their station of the league. Can you beat some of the heavyweights in that division? We will talk about that later on this show. So let me say nice things about the Browns, right? Everybody just kind of brace yourself real fast. Let me say nice things. Uh, Yeah, they've been beating teams. They've been beating relatively cool to okay to bad teams, but that's kind of what the league is. There's really only five or so good teams. So you're only good if you can beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. So shouts out to the Browns there. They only lost three games this year. Um, The one thing that's making me say nice things about the Browns is that they've, that Baker Mayfield got it done in the air. I think that's impressive. We're going to have, a, uh, you know, sort of a convo about him and losing Beckham and how does that, you know, you know, play into it. But if, if Baker's getting it done in the air, then it makes the Browns a lot more dangerous. Let's just be fair. The Browns are playing good defense and they're injured all over that defense. So that's interesting when we talk about Browns next year, but they're going to run the football. But if Baker Mayfield can just find his timing, if he could just find those passes, if he could just keep that offense on rhythm, then the Browns are going to be scary for you. 300, uh, uh, 300 passing yards. This ain't like one of those situations where I'm going to hand it off and I'm rolling out and I may end up with 150 or so passing yards. He did that early this season. He won ball games like that. But if Baker Mayfield's putting up 300, then that's big trouble. So we're just going to see how we're going to do moving forward. Now, with this whole Beckham thing, losing Odell Beckham, is it a thing to where if I have a true number one receiver that I feel pressure to force it to him and that turns into turnovers, that turns into miscues, that turns into bad offense, possibly. But if I can just get it to Higgins, if I could just get it to Hooper, if I could just dump it off to Kareem, if I'm only throwing throws that come to me, does that make me a better quarterback? And if that's the case, then now the Browns have to figure out how they get Odell Beckham off their team because Baker Mayfield, their quarterback, possibly franchise quarterback, I ain't saying all that, um, how can they live without him? So I'm giving Baker Mayfield his flowers, but I'm not going to give him too much because you got to do it two or three times. My thing with the Browns and, and Odell is that, you know, it, let's say Odell comes back next season and is on this team. Let's sort of live in that universe for a second. Odell is – an incredible slant catching and running wide receiver. I mean, we know this about Odell. That's why more than anything, it, it's so weird that it didn't click because to me, that's something that, uh, that Baker can do really well is hit those quick hitter, those things where he doesn't really necessarily have to make a read. He doesn't really have to wait for a route to develop down the field so that he may make a bad decision or roll out or screw up his mechanics. Like, you know, Odell is a guy who you should be able to, to give you know, five-yard handoffs to and let Odell do the rest on some of those quick-hitting throws. That's why it was so weird to me that it never really clicked. But who knows? And like Foch says, he might not be on this team next year anyway, Odell. It's weird. It's weird, but it's very intangible, though, right? Because like, think about what you get with like, with um, let's say Diggs, right? So Diggs leaves uh, uh the Vikings and he goes to the Bills. He wasn't bad with Kirk Cousins, but he's 
pretty damn good with Josh Allen. I mean, he's 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 one of the best receivers in the league with Josh Allen. He's 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 the same guy. He was great route runner, quick, good hands. You know what I mean? But it's just sometimes situations. It's just these things that we can't measure that just ends up being that way. So sure, you know Beckham is a top tier talent, and it sucks that we're talking about Beckham in his way. And he's what like twenty seven years old, still a young guy. He got he got much more time in his prime. But if something's not clicking then you just have to do what you got to do. I mean, you don't want to force Beckham on anybody. Yes, he's a he's a top-tier guy, but if it ain't working, it ain't working. It is crazy how the Browns are so successful right now. Like I said, cruising towards the playoffs, their best record in almost 20 years yet. Odell Beckham has become in many ways the forgotten man. Dog Pound right now is barking, and as Vosh said last week, the Browns, they just got to get their chub on. To zone. More live football than anyone else. Stream exclusive Premier League and UEFA Champions League. Stream every NFL game, including the Super Bowl. Plus, exclusive Red Zone. Showing you every touchdown, every Sunday. DAZN. Start your free trial at DAZN.com and stream on multiple devices. More live football than anyone else. D-A-Z-N. DAZN. All right, let's keep it rolling here on more football and talk about the Baltimore Ravens. So they beat Vach's Dallas Cowboys, and they do so with just running the football. Real clear here, Dallas's run defense, atrocious, and Baltimore can run the football. Lamar Jackson, he only had to have 107 passing yards. 12 of 17 is least since week three against the Chiefs, but Baltimore wins. My question to you is this, though, Richard. Is Baltimore actually back, or is this just an indictment of how bad the Cowboys are and Baltimore's real test, their real test, is against Cleveland coming up? I mean, it absolutely is because Baltimore had more 30-yard runs last night than Zeke Elliott has had in two seasons. Baltimore got a Charmin soft Dallas run defense, and they did what they are supposed to do against that defense. Now, I'm not saying the Browns are incredible, even though we talked them up earlier in the segment. This is a measuring stick game for the Browns more than it is for the Ravens. Uh, you know, the Ravens are still working themselves back. Obviously, Lamar Jackson working himself back into shape, even though he looked pretty good uh, against the Cowboys. Uh, the Browns still need to congeal, uh, need to coalesce, need to prove that they can beat a team like this. It's measuring stick game for the Browns. As far as the Ravens are concerned, I'm, I'm comfortable that the Ravens can do what they're supposed to do in this game. Rich, you could say that my Cowboys are bad, but do not disrespect them in front of company, sir. Uh, but you are right, though. You are right. My Cowboys defense is is terrible. And this was a pretty good warm-up game for Lamar Jackson coming back from the COVID. So he can just run around on us. He can just throw his handful of passes and just kind of get it done. Just a good little warm-up for the real match this week, which is the Ravens versus Browns. That's going to be the big one. Now, you want me to say even more nice things about the Browns? Go ahead and beat the Ravens, right? Because for the rest of the season, the Ravens have, you know, Rich's terrible Jacksonville Jaguars, the Giants, and the Bengals. I think the Ravens can take care of business there. But this is the big one. And the Ravens are currently not in the playoff conversation right now. So to be fair, every game is a must-win game for them. So it's going to be interesting to see. They're going to play some defense, but some guys have gotten hurt on defense. So that just lets you know how much depth they have over there. But those guys are going to have to come together and you know uh, put a win together on this uh, this uh, hot uh, Browns team. It's, it's sometimes not about the best team, but it's about who's hot. And the Browns are scorching hot. So it should be a good one. We'll see what happens. And the best news for the Ravens is after this Browns game, which is a big test, they've got the Jaguars, the Giants, and the Bengals. So soft schedule moving forward if they can overcome Cleveland. Next topic here is what happened to the Bears? I mean, the Bears just, they had, it was fool's gold. We all knew this. I felt like we all knew it. Early on, looking good. Now they just go on a six-game losing streak. They've allowed 75 points the past two games. Defense has been brutal. Listen, Vach, we can make fun of Mitchell Trubisky, and I'm all for that. We can take shots at Nick Foles and Nagy's playmaking. I'm all for that. 
But defensively, Khalil Mack, who's supposed to be a stud, that most recent performance against the Lions, we're talking about a guy with no sacks, no tackles, no hurries, Robert Quinn, non-existent. The problem now for Nagy is this. All year, especially when they were winning, the Bears' defense was carrying them. It was playoff-caliber defense, no question about it. Now the defense is the suspect, and that offense, that's not going to carry anybody. Morale, morale, morale. When it rains, it pours. That that Bears defense didn't just roll out the bed this morning and just decide to say, oh, we're just going to be bad today. They're still a bad – like, they're still a good defense, right? But they look mm. over on the sideline and they see – they just see, ugh, Nagy's over there. Then they then they go to the sideline. They look out on the field. Oh, Mitch and Nick Foles are leading. You say fools go. Foles go is what I thought you said. I was just, I was just <laughs> nice. laughing on this. So, so, so just in my mind – it's not that Khalil Mack is bad now. It's just that he's just understanding what the situation is. You know, winning heals everything. So when you win, hey, man, we're good enough to win with Nick Foles. But when you lose, you go, man, we got to carry this thing. Boy, I wish we can get some help. Boy, I wish they are. Because, look, uh, David Montgomery's not bad. Allen Robinson's not bad. They have pieces on that offense. It's just that the most important piece, the quarterback, is the problem, right? So I need the Bears to trade down with the Cowboys to get that pick so they can draft the quarterback this year. But, uh, you know, if you don't fix that morale issue and it may come down to a coach's firing at some point i think that's the biggest issue yeah there comes a point in time when elite defenses sort to sort of look left look right look up look down and say we don't have any help here you know eventually in the nfl in today's nfl a team is going to score on four or five possessions eventually your offense has to help out your defense and it is demoralizing as a defense to keep winning possession after possession after possession and then have your offense just get the ball and, and not do anything for three plays, give it back to the other team, and you have to run back out there. It, it's draining for a, a professional football team. Then you start to get hurt, and then things start to happen, and the defense is just like, you know, we can't carry this team, just like Adnan is saying. And I think the Bears are squarely in that position right now. So, Rich, that brings us to the final wildcard spot right now in the NFC. And, you know, you kind of feel like you know the teams where they're going to be, relatively speaking. But that, that final wildcard spot, there's still a little bit of murkiness because the Bears look like they could have it. Obviously, they've fallen off. We just discussed six-game losing streak. The Lions kind of flickering. The Vikings at 500, they still can make a push. I mean, no matter who that team is, I don't think anyone's buying them come playoff time. But it is interesting how there's a little bit of jockeying back and forth these last few weeks. Yeah, this is sort of the third wildcard spot. This is what the third wildcard spot does. Uh, it brings a lot more teams sort of into the playoff picture. I mean, you've got teams that you sort of think are falling, Bears, Cardinals. You've got teams that are clearly rising, uh, you know, with the Vikings who just ripped off all these wins in a row, even though it wasn't pretty on Sunday. And then you've got a team like the Lions who is, they're in the picture just like mathematically. I don't know if they will be in a couple weeks, but they are mathematically in the picture because of their record. Uh, so yeah, it, it just adds intrigue to the end of the season, which at the end of the day, that's what the NFL wants. You know, we'll get to the first week in January when we get there, but you know, you want intrigue. You want these games uh, to sort of have meaning. You want more meaningful games in week 16 and week 17. And we're going to have that because there are more teams in allegedly in the playoff picture. I mean, it's all about who 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 gets hot, right? Like if the 
Minnesota Vikings don't lose another game, then they're going to be the team, right? If the Arizona Cardinals go on a go on a win streak, it could be them. And look, the Cardinals, I know that like they're 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 down a bunch, like like they just lost like like three, four, five games in a row, something like that, three games in a row. But they still got Kyler Murray. So if Kyler Murray, if his shoulder heals up, he can go on another little run. Because once you get to the playoffs, everything else doesn't matter. You just got to win four games, and you know that's it. So which one of these teams can win four games? The inter- the, the thing that's interesting that when the Bears get there, I don't think the Bears can win four games or the Vikings or I don't think the Vikings can win four games but we talked about the Cardinals you know that any given day if you have the quarterback to do it you know we'll we'll just see what happens so it, it you know the league is about parity we like parity and uh let's see what happens whoever whoever gets there is it it should give us a lot to talk about yeah that final playoff spot the NFC as Richard mentioned the Cardinals right now they went from a team that was contending for the NFC West division now it's like well they're just hanging out for a playoff spot Kyler Murray's come back down to earth clean King Murray clearly trying to adjust in the fly. So we'll see what happens with the cards, that final spot in the NFC. I'd like to say it's time for a heat check when it comes to the Pats and Buccaneers, but only one of those teams, actually neither of those teams is really hot. One team's playing a little bit better than the other team right now is scuffling. The Patriots at 500 seems remarkable because Bill Belichick is showing how great a coach he is. He's doing this with limited talent around him. The job they did against Justin Herbert, one of the game's bright young quarterbacks, refused to allow him to give one touchdown as Herbert gets uh cut off the score sheet when it comes to actually throwing a touchdown. And in terms of their offensive weapons, I mean, Cam Newton's barely thrown the ball. He is rushing the ball a ton. The Patriots right now, they're 500. When you look at the Buccaneers right now, they've lost three of their past five games. The Saints, the Rams, the Chiefs. Tom Brady's shown that he's mortal. Seven interceptions, sacked six times in the last four games. All of which is today, Vach Lombardi's looking prophetic in his proclamation that the Bucs weren't any good. Your choice, Vach. You want to talk first about how the Bucs don't look very good or the fact that Belichick is showing, even with a 500 team, he can get things done. It's so incredible how ungrateful these Pats fans get. And I don't just want to just come on here and just bash Pats fans. But, you know, they just see Tom Brady do good things for about three games. And they go, oh, we made the worst decision. We got rid of the quarterback, but we kept the coach. Oh, Bill Belichick was a fraud this whole time. It's so interesting, right? I said earlier around week five or more football, they're giving Tom Brady every single thing he needs to be successful. Multiple running backs, multiple receivers, whatever. Offensive line, good. Let's Let's go draft Tristan, whatever you need, right? Bill Belichick has taken the scraps, the scraps, and he is only one game behind those Tampa Bay Buccaneers. How satisfying would it be if Tom Brady and his top tier team does not make the playoffs and Bill Belichick walks in with the scraps? If he walks in with these guys that you know, with Chase Winovich playing one take, how great would it be if Bill Belichick just overcomes that and then and then looks these ungrateful past fans in the face, the ungrateful media people that question Bill Belichick? Well, Bill Belichick, you're having some downs this year. What are you going to say? And Bill Belichick looks around right back in the face and say, well, we've had a lot more ups than downs. Be patient. Be patient. But now nah, you want to be ungrateful with your coach. I love what Bill Belichick is doing, and I hope that they can give him some more help. I hope that those guys that opted out come back. I hope that we get them. I hope y'all learn how to draft at some point because Tom Brady's not going to carry you. And get Bill Belichick a quarterback. You know, shots out to Cam Newton, but he didn't evolve from the shoulder up. He was beating people with, with talent. He's an older guy now. Let's get – let's – like a real quarterback that can really throw the ball, that can feed into what Bill Belichick wants to do. And watch Bill, Bill Belichick go on another run. Then watch Tampa Bay be terrible because they sold they sold for a playoff run with a 45-year-old quarterback with no arm. 
Uh, Vach, where I slightly disagree with you is that this is what Bill Belichick wants. Bill Belichick wants a quarterback that can do some sort of single-wingy offensive stuff. In that respect, I actually think Cam is pretty perfect for what they want. He wants to ball control. He wants to sit on games. He wants to throw it back, and that is what these Patriots are doing. We're going to find out on Thursday night if the Patriots are for real against a defense that does not play any games uh, and is really interestingly built around its star talent. That I'm waiting for that. That's the last thing that I'm waiting for before I sort of sign off and say, okay, these Patriots have gotten it figured out. Um, Again, the first thing you have to do is beat a team that you are clearly better than. They did that Sunday. Can you beat a team that I think is better than you, which is the Rams? Uh, And we'll see. But yeah, hasn't worked out in Tampa. Hasn't panned out. They've been in prime time and they've gotten absolutely smoked by teams who are ready and congealed and ready to rock. There is just something that's not clicking for those Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And it's getting to where the clock is running out on if it's going to tick or not. Because, again, the aspirations for these Bucs is not just the playoffs. The aspiration for these Bucs is to be their championship Sunday at the end of January, not to be there in the wildcard round at the beginning. And clearly there's been a disconnect with Tom Brady and Bruce Arians. Those guys are not on the same page right now. We'll see if there's enough time for the Buccaneers to right the ship, so to speak, with the playoffs right around the corner. Let's get into some games this week. We talk first about Minnesota and Tampa Bay. So the Buccaneers get a test against Dalvin Cook and company. Dalvin Cook, the last four games, he's only averaged 3.8 yards a carry or less. He was averaging 5.1 yards a carry through his first eight games. Fought you first. What do you think? I know you're not big on Tampa. You calling the Vikings to beat the Bucs on the road? Justin Jefferson is on fire, man. Young Randy Moss. He, you know, him and Kirk Cousins seem to have found that chemistry. Uh, Dalvin Cook and his usage is ridiculous. Let's get that guy going. You know, whatever we got to do to get Tampa Bay out of this thing. So by the time we get to week 17, Vosh looks even more right. Let's go for the Minnesota Vikings and see what happens. If y'all was starting Jameis Winston, y'all wouldn't have this problem. But oops. <laughs> You see how we got the Jameis Winston thing in there? <laughs> yeah, the you know, I, I think the Saints are are interesting, you know, because of that, obviously. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, Vikings, I don't know. The Vikings are hot right now. And because of that, I, I sort of want to pick them. I don't know. Uh, you know, you want to to say that the Bucs are there. The Bucs are obviously the flashy name, but I don't know, man. Vikings. Good man. All right, let's let's talk first about next about Pittsburgh and Buffalo. Pittsburgh finally suffers their first loss of the season. They're now eleven and one. The Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen was incredible. You know, Vosh keeps giving himself props. He does not want to give props to Bills Mafia. Josh Allen, another terrific performance of the Buffalo Bills as they remain victorious. This is now a showdown game. In fact, his zone's got an excellent feature on this the historic success of both the Steelers and the Bills when it comes to the National Football League. Rich, how about it? If the Bills beat the Steelers, all of a sudden the Steelers are on a losing streak, and then Buffalo, I think, will command everyone's attention, even botches. I actually think the the Steelers are uh, liable for a little bounce back. Obviously, you know, they've got the man outside, Chase Claypool. Shout out to the Rookie Diaries. Uh, he's got to power them to the win over the Bills. Uh, you know, the Bills right now are favored in this game, and that, I don't know, man. I don't know if the Bills are ready to be sort of the favorite against a team like the Steelers. The Bills have played so well this season. But I know salty Mike Tomlin is not happy with the last few weeks and how they panned out for his Steelers, and he's going to bring them ready to make a statement Sunday night. All you got to do is stop that run game and make uh, uh, Ben Roethlisberger throw the ball 50 times and, you know, just kind of see what's going to happen. The uh, Pittsburgh Steelers defense have a handful of injuries coming back from last week. Uh, Devin Bush is not going to be playing. That's going to be a big blow to them, Bud Dupree. So that pass rush is, is uh, probably going to be a little bit slower. Josh Allen, if I can say something nice about Bills Mafia, uh, Josh Allen is on fire. Stephon Diggs is 
pretty he's he's looking pretty good cole beasley <sighs> i don't want to go bills but it's looking like i'm gonna have to go bills man I love it. I love it, Vaughn. Just going against the grain. This is beautiful. This brings us next to the game we touched on earlier, Baltimore and Cleveland. If the dog pound wins this game, they'll be a double-digit win team, and they're almost certainly going to go to the playoffs. If Baltimore can win, as I mentioned earlier, they got a soft schedule up to this. Who do you like, Vaughn, in this one? Baltimore or do you like Cleveland? Well, you know, the Baltimore uh, Ravens beat up on my little Cowboys, but that doesn't mean that they were super impressive. That just means that we were super bad. You know, I still I'm still not seeing it click with them. I still want to see Jackson get the ball moving in the air. I still want to see I want to see one running back just kind of take that role over. J.K. Dobbins seems like a guy that could take it over, but they're hell bent on getting Ingram going. They're hell bent on getting Gus Edwards going, Justice Hill going, this big four running back carousel. Give it to one guy and just let him take over. Uh, still no receiver help. Dez Bryant was on the uh, COVID list right before the game. I hate that that happened to him, but, uh, you know, Ravens didn't really super impress me, and the Cleveland Browns are hot. This is a big game for both of them. I'm going Browns. It's the prove-it game of all prove-it games this season for the Browns. Uh, you know, I, I the, the head, I think, tells you Ravens. The heart may say Browns because they are so hot. They're playing so well. Uh, I got to see the Browns prove it against a good team. I'm going to take Ravens for now. I'm not writing off the Browns' chances in this game, but I got to see it before I can believe it. All right. Last game to discuss then is KC and Miami. And say this for Miami, opportunistic defense. They rank second in the league in creating turnovers with 20. Now they've got that chance. It's Miami defense against Patrick Mahomes and company. Two a time. Can they keep up? KC, Miami, Vach. I think this will be a fun game to watch. Uh, Chiefs, I'll see y'all next week. Go ahead, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, the with a team like the Dolphins that sort of rely on turnovers, turnovers are not sort of replicable, right? It's some, not something you can count on. If you get them, that's great. But you don't want to count on those as the base of your defensive success, particularly against Patrick Mahomes, Chiefs. All right, look forward to those games as always. By the way, Red Zone's got all your great NFL content, just hour after hour of uninterrupted content. So once again, DeZone is your spot for NFL Red Zone. And shout out to Chase Claypool. Richard mentioned him earlier. The latest episode of the Rookie Diaries is on DeZone. We talked about what a challenge it was for him to overcome this ridiculous stretch for the Steelers uh, getting their game postponed against the Ravens over and over. Uh, what he did on Thanksgiving why he's a big fan of stuffing, his Tesla getting stuck in the snow, Pittsburgh winters. Plus, shout out to Robert Downey Jr. He's boys with Robert Downey Jr.'s bodyguard, and Iron Man made an appearance on his social. I'm telling you, there's lots of great stuff in the Rookie Diaries. And speaking of great stuff, Wesley Chang and Steven Zahoyos. What can you count on in life? You can count on the lineup. You can count on fantasy football advice, not only that you would like, but that you need. So check those guys out as well. Always do great, great stuff. From Rod Lombardi, Richard Johnson, enjoy Pulp Fiction. I'm Adnan Burke. We'll see you next time.